In recognition of Deacon Ordination Sunday, we shared in the ordination of the first deacons uh, there in Acts chapter 6 that John read. And now we will share in a reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. This is the, the Beatitudes, it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most well-recognized sermon. And though it goes on for a few chapters... The Beatitudes is what we first think of when we hear the Sermon on the Mount. These blessed or blessed statements that Jesus makes. Further along in the sermon, Jesus says things like, You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Oh, there are several squirm-worthy passages as well in the Sermon on the Mount. Ones we don't need to think about today, but... One that is my favorite, that is tangentially related to this reading, comes from that part about worry, where Jesus says, Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow. They neither spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God, who so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, Will he not much more clothe you? But this Beatitudes part, if I'm honest with myself, and if you're anything like me, it's a part that we kind of take for granted. We slip phrases in here and there, but for the most part, I don't know, I think sometimes I just leave it alone because it feels counterintuitive. Why would... Anyone say, blessed are the poor in spirit, or the mourning, or the meek. Those are things we don't want, right? Why are just the merciful and the pure in heart and the peacemakers the ones who receive mercy? I suppose in a small way it's tied to a phrase, a, a saying that we often use. We often use it in jest when we say, 
It's always in the last place you look. Now, I do love that phrase, right? It's always in the last place you look. I know for a long time, uh, as you're growing up and people use that phrase with you, you don't have quite the cognitive ability to see the whole of that phrase, but it is simple. It is always in the last place you look. Well, because you usually quit looking after you find it, right? My son is now in on the joke. It's the last place you look because you don't need to look anymore. And we use it jokingly with folks. It's always in the last place you look. And it seems counterintuitive and backwards because life would be easier if it was always in the first place you look. But then it would still be the last place you look. But I think there's a way in which that silly saying illuminates a little bit about what goes on in these Beatitude passages. Using the humor of that helps us see some of the brilliance of this sermon for the simple reason that when you are actually open to it, open to something, you are much more able to, well, to experience it. Those who are, in, who are poor in spirit will experience the kingdom of heaven because they are most open to it. They see their need to experience the kingdom of heaven most. If you acknowledge you are poor in spirit, you make room within your spirit for God to fill you. And the most obvious, although most difficult place to see this and to say this is Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Not because God will only comfort you when you mourn, but because when you are mourning, you acknowledge you have experienced loss and you need help. And so when you are mourning, God will help you because you're open to it. The ones who are peacemakers will be fit to be children of God because they are working to make peace. And they know what peace takes. And those who extend mercy and who are pure in heart will be better able to see mercy coming because they are pure in heart. They will better be able to recognize what it is that God has for them. And that is why they offer it. They see the importance of it. And right there in that place is where deacons fit in. Most of our deacons are gathered here on this front row. It's in that. It's in the power of serving. It's in the power of seeing these things. And it's in being willing and able to extend service and care and love to another that one begins to know the power of deacons, of being a deacon and of having a good one. Now, you deacons, you're elected for many reasons. I su suspect some of you know the reasons maybe even better than I do. In the book of Acts that John read earlier, deacons were elected to handle tasks of service. In different denominations, in different traditions, the word deacon means uh, different things. Some, some, of them are hand, some of them are related to service tasks. Others are administrative tasks. But for us, 
here in Oxford Baptist. A deacon is a leader and a caregiver. We tend to elect our deacons because you are the ones that our church looks up to. They have seen how you have engaged with the congregation and how you have led even within the community. And they, they're asking you to help us in here the same way you do others elsewhere. But in, a, and in another seemingly counterintuitive turn of phrase, they ask you to be our servant leaders. They ask you to lead the church through serving the church. Dr. King has a quote about this that's really important. Everyone can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agreement to serve. You only need a heart that is full of grace, a soul generated by love. You can be great and you can lead by serving. But when you hear those words, servant leadership, some folks bristle. They've considered management, they've considered leadership, they've considered transformation, they've read books. They've been in the business world and they have seen that power is not a part of service. Then, of course, on the other end of the spectrum, there are some who see the importance of service and bristle at leadership. They're called to serve because they don't want to make decisions. They serve and follow because they don't want to lead. They just want to follow instructions. But in so many ways, actually, the quality of our life is determined by those who lead through serving, not just those who say they lead. Consider a meal at a nice restaurant owned by a world-class restaurateur, and consider how that meal can be ruined by a bad busboy or a server having a bad day. No matter how good that leader is, you don't want to go back if those who serve did not lead through their service. Or consider a product you might buy and consider the promises that the designer and the presenter make about this product. And then you buy that product, but the one you have in your hand was made by somebody who was having a bad day on the assembly line. Or the package got to you on a day when the shipping company was having a bad day. It doesn't matter what that CEO, that leader promised. Those who had the job of serving didn't lead well and your experience is bad. And when it comes to a group like us, like a congregation, the preacher can wax eloquently for the appropriate amount of time. The music minister can put powerful songs together and beautiful music and get the best out of everybody. But if the people who sit on the pew next to you are not nice to you, you don't experience service. You don't experience love or, or grace and I think that's the important part of a contradictory term for us, servant leadership. 
We set our culture. We love one another. We experience the power of God by serving one another. And the quality of our fellowship is measured not by anything other than the ways we are able to share life with one another. And that is why we ask you, deacons, to lead us through serving. Lead us from within. Help us go where we need to go by loving us as only you can. And we're asking you to show us the way. Show us the power of God by serving. God needs you to be the ones who help the meek experience the power of God. God wants you to offer that power to them. God wants you to help the poor in spirit because you can lift them up. God needs you to help. We need you to help us because we hunger and thirst for righteousness and you can affirm that in us. And most clearly and tangibly, those who mourn are comforted because you can help those who mourn better than anyone else. You can serve because you have skills, but most of all, you can serve us because we are asking you to. This sermon has been directed in a way towards the deacons, but if you're sitting in your pew somewhere else, not in the front section, well, it's for you too. The work this, that the deacons do, they lead us in this work, but it's the work of the church. They lead us in where we want them to go, but it's not just their responsibility. Why would we give them all the responsibility? We wouldn't want to give them all the responsibility because if we just gave it to them, then the rest of us would miss out too. You see, in his memoir, The Pastor, Eugene Peterson talks about congregations and the people he served. And he says this, a congregation is a company of people who are defined by their creation in the image of God. They're living souls, whether they know it or not. He writes, people are not problems to be fixed, but mysteries to be honored and revered. You are mysteries to be honored and revered. You are amazing, beautiful, wonderful people. And deacons, you have the opportunity to serve these people, to lead them, to get in there with them and see how amazing they are. See the beauty that God created them with and to be. And don't just leave that to the pastor. Don't just leave that to the deacons. Everybody take that on. Consider your neighbor, peel back the layers and see how amazing they are because every one of you is amazing. Deacons are tasked to lead and serve. They're tasked with the beautiful, powerful, caring, wonderful task of serving the church. But it's a reminder to all of us today that it's not just the deacons who make the congregation great. It's all of us. We all need to be reminded that the church is full of a wonderful, amazing, caring people. And when we peel, when we peel back the layers that we protect ourselves with, when we open ourselves up to listen to one another, to receive blessings from one another, what we find is we will be overwhelmed with how wonderful people truly can be. And when we do that, we might experience those Beatitudes a little bit better. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed will we be when we realize our need. And in realizing our true need, we will be able to open ourselves up to the possibilities that God has for us to meet our needs and open us up to love and care for one another well. I think this is the blessing of the church. I hope this is the gift you receive by being a deacon. And I trust that the power to serve one another will bless us all through the power of God at work through each of us, extending to one another. Shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, you have heard these words and now filled them into our hearts and lives. Lord, take the words I've said and transform them to what this congregation needs so that they might be filled by you, that they might reach out to one another and they might love one another better tomorrow than they did yesterday. Lord, help us through the power of service to come to know you better as we come to know one another better and fill our hearts as only you can for this time and for the living of these days. This, O Lord, is our prayer. We offer it in your name. Amen.